0: buried out in the desert in a in a in a toxic waste dump because that's where that stuff belongs and by the way monty fuck you i'd like to just give a quick shout out fuck you and the horse you rode in on thank you very much we can continue okay
1: the opinions of the rest those might not re- reflect the, the rest of us not that no
0: but it completely reflects friends. my feelings about monty your, he shouted
1: your out me on his show some kind of I'm backstory to come out. here I'm sorry, Jonathan. Wait, let's let Jonathan say here.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say I suspect there might be some kind of backstory here, but
0: yeah, uh-huh. there is. And he he took his time out of his last show to bash me and Evan personally. So I'd like to personally take time out of my show to bash him completely. One of the two shows is still on oh, the air, oh, and the other oh, one is dead a, and buried.
1: A receipt. Let me get to a little humor here.
2: Welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast. Monty DeFaro, only seen here out of Indie Music TV. Want to thank you all for joining us. A little roll call before we get rolling. Um, Everybody knows special guest, the great Bobby Fulton. Fantastic. Oh, he is fantastic. He is. Uh, JB, welcome. Glad. Thanks for coming to the new channel. Roy, thank you for coming to the new channel. Stingers. Thank you. ESO in the house. My friend, how are you? Thank you for coming. Phil, how are you? Guys, thank you for supporting us on the new channel. Chris Lee, the man from Down Under. Hey, mate. Jason, what up? Good to see you. Jason Morning. J.A. Will in the house. Roy Batiste in the house. Love you, brother. Hey, Roy. Uh, RJ, good to see you. RJ. So, uh, (laughs) again, with your guys' support, we're. uh, Actually we want to thank Bobby Fulton too. Well, yeah. we'll thank him when he comes on. But for sure. You know, as everybody knows, we lost our YouTube channel and I actually had a meeting with YouTube for an hour and a half yesterday and Correct. they thought it was uh Well well. They thought it was an excellent Rick B, thanks for joining us. What's up, Rick? Um so again, we're Good. starting over, starting fresh and hopefully we could build this back up and maybe uh, You know, but we want to keep doing the same type of show that we've been doing. But again, without your guys' support, so thanks again. And uh, you know, we just got to keep plugging along. Uh, We are now sponsored. We just picked up a new sponsor, Manscaped. Um, They have to send me some of their things that we have to speak about. Faro, so uh, we'll start advertising that next week. But um, that's awesome. Opening video. Yeah, uh, we lost. Christy McVie from Fleetwood Mac. Christy McVie, the singer-songwriter behind some of Fleetwood Mac's biggest hits, died Wednesday following a brief illness. Um, She was 79. Farrow, what did Christy McVie mean to you?
0: Uh, This one hurts. Um, You know, I I didn't really ever really think about it, but when I found out about her passing, I i never realized just how dear to my heart that band is um being a kid back in those days and uh loving fleetwood mac into when i first started dating girls fleetwood mac was one of those bands and i happen to love them but if you weren't even a fan of theirs if you were a, a guy or were a young man trying to date a girl you were going to hear fleetwood mac because mm-hmm. the ladies loved fleetwood mac they really did And there were other bands like you know that you couldn't avoid if you wanted to date a girl back in the 80s like john bon jovi and et cetera but fleetwood mac was just loved by the ladies and i think of certain girls especially one in particular who turned me on to fleetwood mac and i just it's just very personal the songs were great she was an underrated piano player and keyboard player underrated singer Uh, you know what to be fair with Stevie there yes and by the way her voice was so beautiful and so smooth it complemented the organic raspiness of Stevie's one-in-a-million voice what a great question and answer they were to each other what a balance in this band and one more thing that I have to get out love is probably the most important no love is the most important thing in this world and some of the greatest songs are usually love songs and many of them are memories but I don't think there's a band that ever expressed what you go through sometimes with love than Fleetwood Mac, no one was better than them because think about rumors. The entire album is about what's really happening to them in real life. The bass player and Christine McVie are divorcing during rumors. Stevie and Lindsay are breaking up during rumors. And what are they doing? They're writing songs to each other. You will never see a more honest example of love and feelings for another human being than you will on rumors, mm. think about that. That's a real-life scenario turned into m- musical legend. Incredible band, uh, dude. God, I, you rest know what? I don't even want
2: to say anything because I think you have uh, covered it all. Period. I was gonna. All I was gonna say is Fleetwood Mac songs always made me feel good, right, or feel something. Hope. Hope. Something uplifting. Jay Will says, Irene Cara was nice. She said some songs. So Irene Cara uh, yeah. passed away at the age of 63. Mm-hmm. Actress and singer. Best known for her theme songs, fame, flash dance. Yeah. This one hurts equally as bad. Um, Irene Cara was always synonymous. Am I saying that word
0: yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Synonymous. Yeah. Menominal. um with, And too with, young. Too. With
2: 63. With... Our age group.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We grew up. Yeah, we did. Right in the middle of that. On fame. Yeah, we did.
2: Flash dance. Right.
0: Which, by the way, is not the greatest movie, but the music is what made it great.
2: Oh, well, <laughs> so great. there you go.
0: There you go, Miss Cara. But well I, done. You know, I always yeah. remembered okay.
2: Irene Cara. where She was an actress in fame also. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a scene in there where she's trying to make it as a singer, and she gets meets this guy, manager, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he makes her take off her clothes. And, yep. It, yep. and there's a scene where she's just totally a crying and I always remember that scene. Right. And I always she remember Irene Cara. Yeah. Um, Too young. It's just, all I could say is, and by the way, uh, Jay Will just said Gaylord Perry passed away. Tonight. Oh, come on now. Really? Um, wow. That's you know, as, rough. as we get older, we face death and mortality. Um, Gaylord Perry. Closer holy. and closer. We, you know, we get.
0: Mm. and
2: all we could not hope, me i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna live to be 112 so well, i'm I'm not even halfway all we could hope
2: and pray Gee. i mean i know we're both believers <laughs> yeah sure that yep. when mm-hmm. we get to the other side there's something there waiting for us right absolutely but in but guys that's uh that's a funny thing and you know again i want to tell bobby falter when he comes on thank you because you know we were quite stricken by what happened to our to the channel yeah um yeah, we sure. consider everybody who watches and as family yeah, right friend, yeah, family. and it, it hurt us yeah. but you know what i realized after all my anger and everything else that went on i decided um we are lucky to be doing the show
0: of course to
2: do a show with a bobby fulton of course to do a show with a phil Dissera. Absolutely, to uh, do the show with a jbo to reach
0: to reach people like keith or you know keith lee over in australia yeah. To Chris be able Lee. to reach people. Not Keith Lee, Chris Keith Lee. Lee. You believe this, Chris? I'm <laughs> calling you Keith Lee. Next thing you know, I'll be calling. What do they give? What are the Bearcats? But again, Bearcat Lee in Australia. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm uploading sorry, a
2: 1,053 videos, Keith and Lee. I looked and I Lee. said, oh my God, we have interviewed all these icons who we mm-hmm. grew up loving. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and the other thing, we were fortunate enough to. Feud with the Dan Mar- with Dan Marotti. Sure, well, you know when I look back at it. Sure. As rough as it was at the time, and we had some bad and good stuff. Oh yeah. Um. It was an honor. Yeah. It was two passionate channels just pounding the hell out of each Brawling other, Brawling with Marty Janetti. Like I like I got up that morning wanting to do that. Exactly. Not exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah,
2: Mistrial declared in the Danny Masterson rape case after the jury's deadlocked. The jury weighing the rape charges against That 70s show star Danny Masterson announced Wednesday it was hopelessly deadlocked and the mistrial was declared. Masterson, 46, was charged with raping three women at his Hollywood Hills home in 2001 to 2003 and faces the 45 years in prison. A retrial is scheduled for March 27th. This is what I don't understand. I thought if you have a mistrial, mm-hmm. it's over.
0: I, That's what maybe, I always thought. Maybe once upon a time, perhaps things have changed. I don't consider myself much of a lawyer. Uh, I don't, you know what I don't like? First of all, I don't like any of this. This has always bothered me, this one, because, like, I'm really kind of shocked that this would—that he would even potentially do something like this. I'm right. like, what the frig, okay? What bothers me more here is... is—is. You know when you got this close of a 4 to 5 kind of situation there must be some of it must be somewhat true but I can't you know it's very murky Mike I really don't know what to think about it you know if it had been like 7 to 2 or 8 to 1 but 4 to 5 sounds like you know some are pretty convinced and others are not so this is very murky uh I I bet you you know as much as he wants it to go away uh it ain't gonna so You didn't know it. To the
2: right of the show is the star, Mr. Jimmy Farrow. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Farrow, along with his partner, Bart Griggs, Mm -hmm. who is uploading our cable versions onto our YouTube channel. Thank you very much. Bart, man. Make the band Wisteria Hall. Bart, (laughs) man. or um they've sing such great songs as in my dreams this life not far behind here comes the rain you can find their music on the wisteria hall youtube page which also housed us while we were suspended mm-hmm. and thank you again to both Ooh. you and bart you Ooh. can download their music on spotify apple music or reverb nation if you didn't know it you are watching long island's number one pro wrestler broadcast monty nafaro who was seen by over three million viewers uh, you can catch us on the Monty and the Faro new YouTube page, which uh, we're slowly building again. Facebook live page, iHeartRehears on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Anchor. Catch us on the Monty and the Faro Twitch TV page, where the Monty and the Faro have been named number 10 most followed podcast. You mean not, not number 110? Not 110. Not 110. And we've hit the charts against shows like Busted Open, Steve Austin. Nice. And we were at number 7 at some points. Right. So we nice. thank everybody for that. And we, if you're lucky enough to live in New York, you get to catch us on Channel 115 every Tuesday at 7pm and Saturday mornings at 11am. And Channel 20 Wednesdays at 9pm where you will see Bobby Fulton in the reduced version and cleaned up version, right? Uh, we yeah. want to thank Amazon Music for putting it back on. And the moment has arrived. We'll be right back after this with the great, great Bobby Fulton.
0: See you in a fantastic second. The Monty and the Pharaoh Show
2: is brought to you by... Because wine is your second favorite four-letter word. California wine, New York attitude. Good fucking wine.
0: Yeah. M&J Video Games and Collectibles. Sport and non-sport cards, wrestling items, autographed items. We buy, sell, and trade. M&J Video Games and Collectibles, located at 1049 Queen Street, Southington, Connecticut. Call us at one eight six zero. or 860-93-GAMES, M&J, video games and collectibles. And Nitro's Garage, for all your automotive needs, call 646-675-2349. That's 646-675-2349. For all your automotive needs, Nitro's Garage, ask for Jack.
2: All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro-wrestling broadcast, Monty Nefaro, where we have our special guest, Mr. Bobby Fulton. Bobby, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing, gentlemen?
2: Ah, we're doing great, and you look great. How's your health, Bobby, and how's your family?
1: It's good. I I do have a speech impediment, but besides that, um, 100%, thank you so much for asking.
2: How was your appearance on NWA Wrestle? It was so great to see you on there.
1: I loved, I loved it. It was great to go home once again and to have that opportunity. I really like what they're doing there. I hope they just keep it up because in my heart and in my eyes, there's always a place for the National Wrestling Alliance. I told them, it's where history lives, and the future is forged. So I am—I'm glad to be a part of it, and I think I'm going to be more of a part of it in 2023.
2: Well, Bobby, I got to tell you, we're glad that you're part of this show. If you didn't know, um, our original channel was dropped by YouTube down to some of the controversial. Uh, shows that we've had and uh, we've trying to rebuild this new channel and you're our first guest and we can just tell you it is an honor that you're taking a time out of your day to come on and thank you again
1: well it it is my honor I've always looked at myself as a trailblazer and uh, a pioneer of sorts in professional wrestling so i'm glad to have been asked to be a part of this show with this new uh, youtube for money and pharaoh
2: well bobby thank, thank you. you thank you can't say it any better and that's why you're a superstar right thank bobby you, so you got so into wrestling you're so good you got into wrestling can you Tell the fans, from what I understand, your dad kind of helped you get into wrestling. Can you kind of give us the origins of Bobby Fulton?
1: Right, right, right. Well, I'll never forget, gentlemen, the first time I ever crossed in front of a TV screen, back in probably 1963 or four, I was captivated by the sound of the pounding of the wrestling ring by the small studio audience and by the commentator whispering. Now he has him in a hammerlock and going on to describe the action. And to me, it was like hearing the New York Symphony. It was music to my ears and heart. And I started my love for professional wrestling at that point. (coughs) Excuse me. I then at about 13 or 14, there was an organization here in my hometown, Chattopathy, Ohio, that one of the original NWA promoters, Al Haft, had promoted wrestling from the 1920s to about 1965, uh, based out of Columbus, Ohio. And one of his promoters is from my hometown. It's named Hank Vest. And Hank still ran shows, and I started setting up the ring. And, yes, my father was a big supporter of my desires to be a pro wrestler. My mom told me, she said, oh, boy, if you come home tripled, I'm throwing you over in that creek. But uh, my dad was a big supporter of me and helped me in a lot of ways, especially I broke in when I was, well, I started setting the ring up when I was about 13. I had my first match when I was 16 years of age in Georgeburg, West Virginia. And my father happily took me down there, guys. I'll never forget, I wrestled a guy. I really had no prior experience, but I was, when we were getting the ring, it wasn't like it was today. The wrestlers, say fabulous. even when we set the ring up, we wasn't allowed in the dressing room. They didn't chop out of shoe. They were dressed like businessmen, but when we set that ring up, we'd hurry up and get it done, so I did get a chance to roll around in that ring. So that was kind of my early training. They didn't come out. It wasn't like today, where the professional wrestlers go out before the show and wrestle in the ring. There was no such thing as that. But what I did do, I learned the best I could, because back then, they really didn't want you in the wrestling business. It might be hard, but it, there was no shoes, so to speak. And if you broke in, it's because you knew somebody. But when I broke in, me and this wrestler uh, named Joseph Shedlock, he, he was so mad though Michaels, we wrestled our first match together. And the wrestler, we were like third match, but the dressing room emptied and pulled us apart because they thought we were going to kill each other. Well, I've got my $5 payoff, and fellas, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> it was like I kissed the man on the moon. It was one of the greatest moments of my life to get a chance to get in the ring. And then I went back the following next three months to wrestle in West Virginia because Hank Vest, the promoter I told you about, he. He didn't really, he, he helped me to a certain extent, but wouldn't talk out of shop. And I did finally wrestle for him, which was a big treat. As a matter of fact, his, his, uh, his son still lives in my hometown, in of Philadelphia, Ohio, Roger Fest. And another wrestler that wrestled then by the name of Chiller J.D. Champ still live here and we still get together for lunch and stuff like that sharing the memories of the past. But that was my er- early introduction to in-ring action.
0: Bobby, can you tell us about coming across Stu Hart and where he comes in in the picture as far as your training?
1: What, what had happened was I had, I had started out, like I said, in West Virginia and Ohio and wrestling in Kentucky because I'd met up with Flying Fred Fury, who was running Ohio, and Wild boat Fury and I had a lot of matches with them. As a matter of fact, I wrestled on the WWF TV tapes in Allentown in Hamburg while I was still in high school. So wow. as soon as I graduated high school, I left home and went to Kentucky to wrestle for a guy who was old, opening up a small territory. From there, I went to Nick Rulis and worked for Nick Rulis in Nashville. And it was after Nashville, I went to Calgary and worked for Sue Hart. I remember Owen Hart uh, running around the dressing room. He was a little 11-year-old boy. Ross Hart, of course, was there trying to help and give the finishes. And Bret Hart had started. But who really got my eye there was a young athlete by the name of Dynamite Kid. Mm. And, fellas, I'm to tell you something. He was one of the greatest talents I'd ever seen in my entire life. I got a chance to witness him in a match with Steve Wright, who was Alex Wright's father from Germany. Okay. And you talked about a match. I love that territory. It was a great place to learn. But concerning Stuart, I never got out of the van and went in the house. Because I knew what was going on in that dungeon. <laughs> You're smart. Smart.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> what was your impressions of Bret Hart? Did you see that talent early on? Did you know he was going to be what oh, he turned yeah. out to be? And he,
1: he, he was really good. And I wanted to add one thing. Sure. I'll never forget when I first pulled up to the Hart house. I was in a van. And there was all these Cadillacs that had cracked windshields and stuff. <laughs> just sitting all over the place up there at the Hard house, that three-story house overlooking Calgary. And I said, what's going on? They said, well, whenever Sue tries to start a satellite, if it don't run, he just hits the windshield, busts the windshield, and moves on to another car. And before my cancer, I, I, I should do a, a bit of a, uh, let me, uh, let me show you, uh, money and uh, Pharaoh, this uh, hole that, uh, I did with Luther Lindsay. And once he would hook you in that hole, and I've seen him do it to guys, he would say, fight, fight, fight. He liked that idea. He liked to inflict pain on others. While well, I was there, as a matter of fact, him and Dynamite Shield had a newspaper reporter down in the dungeon. Uh-oh. And they worked the out and worked the out and worked the out, and finally Stu hooked them. And Stu told him, he, Stu broke his arm. And he went back and put that in the paper. He said, uh, I'm 60 some years old. He uh, said, uh, <laughs> Imagine if one of my young wrestlers was to get a hold of you. Uh, exactly what would happen to you. So Stu was always taking care of the business. And yes, Bret Hart was phenomenal even then. You know, she he had some grooming to do, but I mean, What a great place for Javier. You had Japanese wrestlers coming, guys from England there, guys from Mexico, guys from the United States and Canada. When I was there, Leo Burke was there, Joe Ventura, Hubert Gallant. They were the French-Canadian connection. No class Bobby Bass. Even the great John Foley was a referee. Lynn Denton, David Patterson, uh, the Hart brothers. One night, I... We were in the ring in, in Montana, and Wayne Hart was doing the refereeing. And he told his brother, Cesar see, see Bruce, he said, if I drop your hand one more time, the match is over. Well, he did. And he rung the bell, and his brother jumped up and punched him in the face right there in the ring. <laughs> and the fight went all the way back to the dressing room. And all the boys and John Foley was just watching as they were fighting amongst themselves. It was it was wild. It was a great territory to learn in, and uh, it was a lot of fun times.
0: And you kept the van doors locked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, had I also
1: got in a fight in the van.
0: It's not even safe in the I van. It's not even safe in the van. Go ahead. You're not even no, safe no, in the no, van.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. <laughs> You guys, have you heard of the Cuban assassin Angel Lasavita? Yes. One of the, one of the toughest guys ever in wrestling. Mm. Have you ever heard of Giant Haystack, the Loch Ness monster?
0: Of course, of course. That's a yes. You've a heard his yes. name, right? Yeah, sure.
1: All right. I I got in a fight with him in the van mm. one night, mm. and I'll tell you how the story went.
0: How'd he get in there? I'm the only van?
1: about five foot nine. Two hundred. I was pretty beefy back then. I was a hill, as Bobby folk and I always thought I was a better hill than a baby fish. Yeah. But what happened was the giant had a sleeping sickness, so I stood up in the van going a hundred miles an hour, like threatening to slap him in the back of the head. Well, then Denton was in the seat right behind him, the grappler land Denton, and all of a sudden I'm looking back at everybody in the back of the van. And then Denton kicks the giant in the head. Well, I turn back around with my fist doubled up, and I'm looking eye to eye to the giant, Well, he backhands me with that big old finger of his <laughs> and splits my lips. Now I know I'm driving 100 miles an hour in a van, and I'm thinking, how can I retaliate? I thought about putting a towel around his neck when he turned back around. But I didn't have a towel big enough to choke him out. I figured I'd just make him matter. So later on that night, Angel Savita started opening up beer bottles. The bats blew. And he would throw it and hit the giant in the back of the head. Well, the next thing I know, I'm sitting in the back of the van. The giant has a glass orange juice bottle, getting ready to throw it and hit me in the face. And Angel Acevedo said, no, no, no. It wasn't Bobby that did it, it was me. And the giant turned around and said, he said, let's stop the van, Angel did. Let's get outside and settle this fight. That's what used to happen. Like Jim Neidhart would stop the van and fight the monks. I'd gotten fights with the late Tom Stanton while driving down the van because there was eight or 10 guys together and all kinds of pandemonium was breaking loose. Well, Angel, uh, the giant, Haystack, said, no, 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 Angel, let's just forget that this even happened. Because he had heard the stories, Angel Asovita, one night, fought 11 hockey guys in uh, Satchitoon. He had blades sticking out of both sides of his hands, shutting them hockey players up in a bar so nobody wanted to mess with angel considering the blaze and stuff like that but yeah there was often fights and uh things i it was so funny in that territory i loved it but it was it was a lot of learning to do
0: you know you mentioned it you're mentioning a lot of fights how about um dynamite and davy boy you know unfortunately they had a reputation to be bullies um how were they to you and did you see any of that stuff?
1: Well, when I, when I, I was there in 1980, before David Boyd came over. Mm-hmm. But Dynamite, for some reason, always liked me. The only thing Dynamite ever did to me, one time he came up to me and he started whispering in my ear, of course, I knew never to drink nothing that Dynamite Field had to offer. Oh, great! There was another guy that <laughs> came up from Ohio for a while, Ronnie Lee, they stayed at Dynamite's house, and Dynamite said, uh, uh, "Ronnie, how about some of my hot chocolate? Because oh, it's no. winter time." Oh, Ronnie no. had diarrhea for two weeks
0: oh, come on now. and
1: finally had to leave the territory. <laughs> I remember one time in the van, someone passed gas, and Ronnie said, "Oh, if only I could do that without messing myself." <laughs> but but Dynamite never ever ever ever. Done anything to me. When I met him, guys, he would go in the ring and work 30 minutes and he would jump out and do a thousand Hindu squats. Mm. I mean, he was a total, total machine.
0: He was a specimen for but, sure. For, uh, true specimen. Me? A true specimen. Yes, yes. He was.
1: Of an athlete. Yep. The
0: only,
1: the only real dynamite played on me was David Patterson and then Denton was leaving the territory. They got mad over a payoff. Well, early that morning, Lynn Denton came over and knocked on my door. And he said, small package me, Bobby Fulton. I said, what? He said, small package me right here on the front porch. I did. And (laughs) David Patterson shouted one, two, three. And they said, now you're the new North American tag team champion. (laughs) And I thought, what? I can't believe this. I've heard of a house show, but this is a little ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I am. I didn't get paid. I didn't get paid or nothing. Yeah. But here I am, the champion. And Congratulations. finally about, that was about 8 or 9 in the morning. Oh, my God. And I didn't know what to do. I thought, do I go too Hurt?
0: Have breakfast. I mean, uh,
1: you know, Please. yeah, yeah, yeah. Save the morning. And finally, Dynamite Kid came over and knocked at my door and said, Bobby, I believe you have a small package for me. <laughs> well, and I handed him... <laughs> The belts, and it nice. was lots of fun. But I realized then that it was a rib, and dynamite was in on it, oh, and boy. everything like that. So that was my first major title win without without <laughs> an audience. I guess it was a <laughs> dirt match.
0: You brought the house down. Congratulations. That's- yes,
1: yes
2: Bobby. Congratulations. Little Patties S out there. Do you have a Fred Curry story?
1: Fred Curry. Time, so Fred Curry. I have lots of Flying Fred Fury stories. Flying Fred Fury was, to me, I was a hill, and what had happened was I would met him in Superville, Ohio, where he, had, he was running shows. He would have his dad, Dr. Jerry Graham, all these people on these shows, and I was, like, 17 years old. So Flying Fred said, I went up to a show one night, and he said, would you mind refereeing? I said, I'll do anything you ask me to do, sir. So I refereed the first show. Then he said, hey, I've got shows coming up. Do you want to work on them? I said, sure. It ended up being that I was his traveling opponent for uh, for shows and stuff. Like he was going on outdoor shows and I would be his traveling opponent. I, I got a great education with Brian Fred Jury. He was one of them most uh, one of the best baby faces I ever worked with, as a matter of fact, he had charisma. He had it all. He he was he was magnetic. And I'll tell you what, guys, like I said, I was seventeen years old. I would be in matches, in tag matches, and Wild Bull Fury and Flying Fred Fury would be our opponents. Now you talk about my childhood dream of being in there, especially with Wild Bill Jury He was a character, a nice guy, but man, he was business, and so was Flying Fred jury. You know, that's how I met Dr. Jerry Graham. And one time, I took Dr. Jerry Graham home with me for about two weeks. And you talk about stories. One time, me and Flying Freak jury and Dr. Jerry Graham, we were going to Kentucky. We would go wrestle every Sunday night in Georgetown, Kentucky. Well, Fred, because we were heels, let us off up at the hotel. So Dr. Jerry Graham had a bunch of decision with him, and we were walking down past the swimming pool of the hotel. And Jerry said, I think I'm going to jump in. How about you, Bobby? I said, no, there's no way to change. Well, Jerry was about... 330 pounds, he shepherded up his manhood with his belly hanging down, he just took his pants and shirt off right there, all he had on was his socks, and he jumped in that pool with that bucket of chicken in his hand, and he ended up in a sitting position, floating like he had a float under. <laughs> and I was sitting there watching Dr. Jerry Graham, which I had read about in all the magazines, and. Knew he'd burn $100 bills with cigars and all these things. Was the toast to New York and everything. And he's floating in this out, outside swimming pool of a hotel we never checked in. And he's got a stop on. Well, finally, he said, jump in, Bobby. And I said, man, I ain't got nowhere to change. So I get down and I stick my hands in the water. And I don't know how he's done this. But all of a sudden he grabbed one of his socks and he threw it at me and he hit me right around the neck and he busted out laughing and all of a sudden all of a sudden I I seen uh, I had the socks around my neck and here he was uh eating his chicken. and uh and uh, swimming swimming around like nothing. It was amazing. Dr. Jerry Graham.
0: Vince McMahon's hero, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes.
1: And as a matter of fact, Vince McMahon Jr.'s favorite wrestler, I'm right. told.
0: Right. Yep. Well, I'm going to ask you this question uh, for my partner over here who just loves this yes. guy. You wrestled with uh, <clears throat> the Red Rooster. I mean, uh, Terry Taylor. Any uh, Terry Taylor. Any thoughts on Terry Taylor, and and is he underappreciated over the years? Yes,
1: Terry is. I first met Terry when I was in Memphis, and I was Terry's first opponent the night he wrestled, and it was about 1981. Wow. He came to Memphis territory, and uh, we wrestled in a babyface match in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and we became part of the... Memphis territory, it was Jerry Lawler. I don't even think the Fabulous Ones had came on the scene yet. As a matter of fact, Terry Taylor was considered for one part of the original Fabulous Ones. Okay. But for some reason or something happened, we didn't get a part of it. But Terry was always a student of the show, of of wrestling. He wrote his finish every night and other finishes, so he always had a good mind for the business. Now what happened was when we became the fantastic ones was back then wrestling wasn't nationwide. We, Jerry Lawler had, was getting ready to Jerry Lawler was getting ready to run opposition to Jerry Jarrett and I I didn't want to go opposition and what was going to happen was the territory was red hot. And one week we were on a road to TV and Jerry Lauder was on the owner with Lance Russell and about fifty other guys. Well when him and Jerry Jarrett made amends, they had now seventy-five guys in the territory. Mm. So Atlanta was pretty burnt out and Ole and Barnett and him was going to Ohio and Michigan and West Virginia. So they made a deal with Jerry Jarrett to send the crew down to Atlanta. And Bill Dundee was the booker. And they sent me and Terry Taylor. They made us the fantastic ones. They gave us the same suits that Steve and Sam wore for the videos and did the same thing. Because like I said, you would have the sheep in one territory, the great Mephisto, would be in another territory. And the only thing that would connect you would be the wrestler magazines before the internet. So we went down there and we were the fantastic ones. And we became a team and I enjoyed Terry. He's a phenomenal wrestler. He has a great mind for the business. And he is now at the performance center and he's teaching down there. But, yes, Terry was a great hand in wrestling, and he was always nice to me. I was alone with him, as a matter of fact, and uh, he was really, really good. He's very underrated, very underappreciated. You what know, you, it was a real— What did you think when you I saw the Red Rooster? I think did to him, him the Red Rooster yeah. up there in New York for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. Did that, did that
2: bug you when you saw the Red Wait a Rooster? Wait Hold on. Hold on. Bobby, I love the red, the red rooster. He loves the red rooster. I, am I a tell a him he's a huge
0: fan of that gimmick. I'm I, sorry. Bobby, please help me out
1: here. The red rooster. Guys, Vince <laughs> took a lot of guys. <laughs> and she, and look, he made Joey f- Funk's house. House fun.
0: <laughs> polka dots for Dusty. <laughs>
1: Dusty polka dots. And yeah. Dusty turned that into a win win. Yeah. Especially when he had uh, his a valet out there and they danced it up dusty Rose. guys a lot of people not dusty mm. but i worked for him and i knew him he was one of the geniuses absolutely. in professional wrestling
0: absolutely absolutely i mean
1: in the ring and out of the ring yep. i know a lot of guys used to be mad at him because when you're the booker you're the only one you can really count on the rest of you guys will come and go But would you build your territory around you? Yes. That's just like you two fellas. If you started having somebody guest host and do something on your show, you said, hold on. This is the Monty and Pharaoh show. Mm. This isn't the XYZ show. So you guys are the main leaders. You're going to be here week after week, show after show. You know you can count on you. And that's the way Dusty and so many of the other Bookers felt throughout the years. So don't get mad at the Booker for putting himself on top, especially when he can carry the ball. Now, a lot of guys would get mad because Dusty never stopped at the gym. But look, guys, Dusty had a set of wevels that's unbelievable because he would wear a pair of little tiny trunks and he played that song, Don't Judge a Book, by looking at the Cover." And, man, he had more charisma in his little finger than most guys have ever in the professional wrestling business.
0: Yep, yep. And Dusty was a big dude, not for nothing. Dusty wasn't a small guy at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. He's a big dude.
1: And he had the top guys.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: You he's know, I, I think about that. I think about the wrestlers of the day. But I also think about the talkers of the day. Mm-hmm. The the Dusty roads, the handsome Jimmy Valiant, mm. so many Austin Idol. Yes, Jerry DeSeem older. he had it all. Yep. He's a talk and he's a wrestler. He get in the ring. But not a lot of guys had both things. I heard you talking about Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. while I was getting ready to come on. Mm-hmm. And I always said when Vince was trying to push him down everybody's throats as a baby face, I said, he needs to be a heel. Agreed. Agreed. Roman needs to be a heel. No doubt. Now, finally, she's at his right place.
0: Yep. Yep. What do you think of the booking, though, over those years where people were complaining about it? While I do agree that he was much better as a heel and that we finally got to where we needed to get with him. I almost feel like the fact that at least Vince stuck with him, even though he was a face, put a lot of titles on him, the years added up, and I feel like the resume is even more enhanced with this heel
1: turn. Any thoughts on that? Right. Just let me say this first. I went to Puerto Rico one time, after Bruiser Brody had died. Ooh. And the territory was down. I went, I went. me and Tommy used to fly in all the time for the big shows, and they would have three stadiums in one night packed. And I went over there with my brother George, Jackie Fulton, and the, the houses were horrible. And I rode with Cholos to one of the shows, and I said, Cholos, your business is bad. I said, let me tell you how to pop your territory. I said, you and Jose Gonzalez have a history here. Both of you guys are baby faces, but you've bled and fought. And I said, you guys against each other will not turn one heel or one baby, but will draw. Well, they ended up doing that angle because I talked to Ronnie Dorvin and Ronnie said, they popped the territory. I said, what'd they do? And he told me exactly what I said to Carlos. And what I'm getting ready to tell you is, you see, Vince was paving the road for Roman Reigns. Right. Investing time right. in what was the come. And guys, that's like Ric Flair said about MMA. It's hard to establish, guys, that don't last a long time. Right. But when you've got Roman Reigns, who has had years as a babyface, wins and loses, wins and losses, and now he's the heel, the head of the table, like you said, all those years on TV amounts to millions of dollars in promoting. It's just like Bill Dundee and Jerry Lawler in Memphis. It's just like the guys that was in Atlanta, the guys in Florida, the guy, the Von Evers in Texas, so on and so forth. It's the same formula. It's just on a worldwide shell and Roman Reigns is one that has benefited from it. Mm. And I'm glad because I feel like this, that it's all right for the WWE to come to town, but when you have that star quality, it adds to the to the product even more it's like the last big run was some host steve austin and the rock mm-hmm. and then after that vince really didn't want to establish stars because he wanted it like the wwe some of the town that don't matter who we have but i always said to myself i know he's making billions but why not make trillions and establish these guys as stars, not just show them superstars, but guys like Roman Reigns and these guys be known for who they are and their angles and so on and so forth. Do you follow me? Sure. Well,
0: Absolutely. Well
1: said, Bobby. It, that's gold.
2: Thank Bob, you. Bobby, gold. throughout yes, wrestling, sir. you always hear the tough guys in the sport. And, you know, you got some big guys and smaller guys. One guy that doesn't get a lot of play on the Monte Nefaro show is the exotic Adrian Street. And he always seemed like a pretty small guy to me. But now that you hear about him, supposedly he was super tough and could really kick the crap out of people. Uh, can you share yes. your thoughts on yes. Adrian
1: Street? I, f- I first met Adrian Street on Thanksgiving Day at Superstar Bill Dundee's house in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Adrian Street and Miss Linda came to Thanksgiving dinner, along with Jonathan Boyd and Luke Williams, who was the sh- sheep herders then. And I met all four of them for the very first time, and they would all be integral from Superstar Bill Dundee to Adrian Street to Luke Williams in my career. Very instrumental. I- I'll never forget Adrian Street, was a super tough guy. But Linda, I don't know if you know it or not, was a very tough woman. Did you guys know that?
0: No, no, no.
1: She she was a shooter like Adrian was. Mm. She could beat guys up, stretch them. She even got Jim Cornette down one time and stretched him in the dressing room. <laughs> I would have loved to well, see that. Well, as a matter that. of fact, I'll never forget. <laughs> I was wrestling Adrian Street in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And he got mad at me for whatever reason in the ring one night, and he busted one of them mirrors over my head. teaching me a lesson. And I mean, I got juice and everything, but, but then, I wrestled him in San Antonio, and we had a great, we had a great, great, uh, program. And it was me against me against him for the, uh, the, uh, Southwest. Junior United States title, I think it was. But I'll never forget one time we were wrestling and I was laying down on the mat and Adrian grabbed the belt. And all of a sudden I was in real good shape. He took the championship belt and tried to push it into my teeth, the side of it. And I tried it just in time. And I said, hey man, are you all right? He said, I'm just making sure the show okay. So he must have thought I was a little stiff. Probably I was a little excited. But then, then I wrestled him in San Antonio and I love the program and I love Adrian Maslenda. Then I became a fantastic and was wrestling over in Louisiana for Mid-South. Well, they brought Adrian in and put me against him one night. And he was just establishing himself then. Well, I did early in the match. One of the things that I did in San Antonio, I went out and had one of the fans take my jacket off like Miss Linda did, but it really wasn't established yet. And Adrian got a little hot. Well, they didn't do nothing to me there. It wasn't until I was in world class and I was wrestling in San Antonio and they had sunshine for a while as Tommy Rogers and I's manager, valet. Well, I was wrestling in a single match against Adrian. And Miss Linda was, uh, was uh, the segment of force for Adrian. Well, as soon as me and Adrian locked up, he took me down to the mat and stretched me. And he would only let me up long enough to take me back down and stretch me some more and stretched me some more. And the only offense I had was the finish of the match. And I got the message, and I understood, and he taught me a lesson. But did he hurt me? No. But should he hurt people? Yes. Johnny Mantell tried him, and Johnny fancied himself as a shooter. And Adrian Street rode him like a dove in Shreveport. And we all watched that. I believe it was Shreveport or New Orleans, Johnny, had Major John Mett, I'm going to stretch Adrian Street. I'm going to hurt him tonight. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Adrian Street was way ahead of himself, and I've even heard Adrian do an interview about Carl Gotts, who was famous for shooting. But he said when Paul Gotts came to William, he couldn't beat nobody over there and i i've got a shooting story if you don't mind me sharing this with you shoot there was back going back to calvary there was a shooter there by the name of john foley not many people talked about him but he was from england but when i was in calvary i was about 240 pounds at the hill pretty stuffy guy so john we was in a hotel room one night and john foley said, uh, try me, baby bull. They told me the baby bull. Try me and see if you can see see what you got. Well, I didn't try that. He was on all fours. I just dove on him, 250 pounds. John went down and carpet burned the whole side of his face. Not because I hooked him or stretched him, but because my weight forced him down and he had been drinking. Well, the next day they got in the van and everybody was ribbing him. The Bobby Fulton has stretched the great John Foley. And uh, I laughed and laughed about that and everything. But, you know, back in the old days, guys would stretch people, especially the young guys. And, you know, and, and, uh, it was part of the initiation. Bobby, why don't we get to what you're
0: obviously most famous for. Tell us about the origins of the Fantastics, and how did you and Tommy Rogers come about?
1: Well, what happened was, as I told you before, Terry Taylor and I had been sent to Atlanta during the short run of that territory, and then after that, we came back to Memphis, and then I went to San Antonio. And when I went to San Antonio... I was, Luke Williams gave me my first break. When I met Joe Blanchard, he told me, he said, when I meet a wrestler, either I see little money, big money, or no money. And I didn't quite understand what he said until he paid me my first night. But what happened, I'd been wrestling for about six or seven months in in San Antonio. Tommy had been wrestling in Atlanta. Well, Jerry L- Jarrett had said, I want the, I want the Rock and roll Express back. They had been working with the Midnight Express in Louisiana. They had popped that territory. And Jerry Jarrett said, I want the Rock and roll back in Memphis for six months. Well, I knew Bill Dundee, of course. And I had met Tommy Rogers. And Bill Dundee and Bill Watts put together the uh, Fantastics to come in to take the place for six months as the Rock and Roll Express. Mm. And when we got there, when we visited Houston, all these fans at the beginning had things up about bring back the Rock and Roll, bring back the Rock and Roll. But as time went on, there was less signs about the Rock and Roll and signs more about the Fantastics. There was something magical about Tommy Rogers and I we flipped in the ring. Tommy was phenomenal in the ring. And as a tag team, we got over, over, we got over like Rover. And you know, I had one of the WWE writers the other day, NFC messaged me and he sent me a match from the Caribbean where the rock and roll was hills against us. And he said, you know, you guys receive a lot of flack a lot of times from fans about being after the rock and roll express and you guys being rock and roll people can understand this analogy. But there was the Beatles and then there was the Rolling Stones. Right. Right. And he said, there's never no comparison to the Rolling Stones trying to take the Beatles place. We never tried to take the rock and rolls place. We tried to make our own footprint in the territories we worked in. And when we left Mid-South the first time, we went to world class. And as a matter of fact, we got so over in world class that the butcher, Jim Mantel, told Fritz, said, you guys should send your son, Calvin and Terry, somewhere else for a while. And Johnny Mantel, and and document this because they said the fantastics have got over so strong that it was to give your sons a rest in here for a while and they would be fresh, you know. But even when Tommy was with Seven Von Erich over in Hawaii on Seven's Island, she told Tommy, Tommy, we throw away so much stuff. You guys. You've lots more fan mail than us. And I know that might be hard for the public to believe. But he said, we threw it away and never let you know the impact. It was just business, wow. Tommy. And I'm sorry we've done that. Wow. But the Von Erick boys are some of the nicest men I've ever met in my life. And guys, I'm telling you, Seven, Cherry, Mike, Chris. I met David one time in St. Louis. But I never got to know him like I did know the other sons. And they were the best guys you would ever want to meet in your life. The The people say a lot of things about them. But I love the Von Erich boys. I
2: I, I wow. do, too. Yep. Did you, yeah. you know, the, speaking about the Von Ericks, did you know that Kerry Carrie Carrie was having the issues or the boys were were having as many, many drug issues as they were, you know, has been reported?
1: Well, I was there tonight, I was there tonight the very night that Sherry wrestled Ric Flair on live television and it was supposed to be a 60 minute draw. And Sherry, uh, we were in some horse stalls in the back, and they had a hard time; didn't carry out to go to the ring. And they finally had the match, and it didn't last 60 minutes. I don't even remember what happened, but I was there. But I do know the Ric Flair brought the belt back and threw it at Jim Mantell, and said, "Jim, you wrestle him the rest of the week." Well, the Von were so over in the territory at the time, and I mean. That night, we wrestled Buddy Landell and Charlie Shinnetsky. And that's where I believe Ric Flair really found um, a soft spot for Buddy Landell because we tore the house down. It was sold out that night. I mean, in our match. But but the next day in the paper, they said what was wrong with Terry was he had 105-degree temperature, and he was upset. And this is what the paper reported that his Doe Bonzo had died, and he was the only Doe to ever master the iron flow. And that's why Terry wasn't in his right mind that night.
2: Hmm. So you build this team uh, with Tommy Rogers. On June right. 15th, uh, June 1st, 2015, he passes away. Um, yes. what were your feelings at that moment when you well I don't know when you actually found out but what were your feelings when you find out the passing of your
1: long ta- time tag team partner well I, I believe I was probably not one of the first but close to the first to find out Tommy had lived in Hawaii and uh, me and him talked all the time and all of a sudden, I was contacted about his passing. Now, I don't know if you guys really know how he died. Do you know? No. 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 Well, actually, what happened to him, Dave Meltzer, I just so mad at him because oh. he reported that he had hung himself and committed suicide, which is not true. Typical Meltzer. What happened sorry. was.
0: Typical Meltzer. Huh? Typical Meltzer. I had to. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir.
1: Well, well, I- I'm just saying that, and I went nuts when he said that. And what happened was Tommy had ate a little debris change, and he regurgitated on it in his sleep, and he choked to death on that. Mm-hmm. That's how he died. They said he opened his eyes up. For a second, in the emergency squad, but then he shut his eyes. Soon after, he was dead on arrival. He was dead He was there because he had the the oxygen had been shut off to his brain, and they said if he would have lived, perhaps he would have been brain dead. And me knowing Tommy Rogers, and being the athlete that he was, that guy was an athlete. He was, I, I've always said this: I teamed up with two of the greatest chip guys in the business, one Tommy Rogers, and another my brother George Hines Jackie Fulton. Both of them could throw drop chips that were unbelievable. But I hurt. It hurt me when Tommy died. I had been going through some stuff myself with my eye and everything, and I had yet, of course. This was 2015, but it really hurt me, guys. I mean, hey, when you've been partners since from, since 1983 or 82, up until that time, it's like a marriage. We knew each other inside and out, and it, it really hurt me. It devastated me, especially reading some of the stuff that people had said concerning Tommy and everything. It really bothered
0: me. Not to switch gears, but if I can, quick. uh, You had uh, some great matches back in the day with the Sheep Herders, who, of course, went on to become become the Bushwhackers. Uh, To you, being a great traditional wrestler from the Territory days, when they go to Vince and become the Bushwhackers, are they jumping the shark? Were you like, oh, no, they just took this into cartoon no. character level? Or was it cool with you?
1: No, 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 no. Luke and Butch are very smart guys. There you go. I, I don't know if you remember the very first trousers up or not, but we, we met them for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that was when wrestlers sent from all over the world and all the territories, and everybody had said, that you see Purgis and Fantastic Match? So the show of the very first Tractor shop. When we had a run in mid south with thirty seven straight barbed wire matches, and later on, they really made us because we were the Jersey Two Shoe guys, the high flyers. But when they brought us down to the ground and the blood flew, and the cage fights and the barbed wire cage game, when we went to the NWA, we were on after the midnight Express, We were on to start a program just like. Mid South, but Luke and them didn't feel like they were being treated right. Vince gave them an opportunity to go to New York, where he changed Joey Fump into the House, Terry Taylor into the Red Rooster, Good boy. Jo- Dusty Rhodes into the 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 polka uh, dot the polka dot of man. <laughs> but wait
2: a minute, let's why be, why
1: not change, Bobby? Not but change. let's be
2: fair here. He changed Kurt Henning into Mr. Perfect. That's true. Mean Mark Callis right. into The Undertaker. That's very true. Right, yes. So, That's you know, true, yes. We got That's some true. wins and losses here. Yeah, I guess we do. Yes, I yes, yes. Did.
1: You know, I wrestled Mark Callis in one of his first matches in Fort Worth. When he first broke into business, Not one of, yeah, we wrestled him. He was a punisher.
0: What was your impression? And what a
1: nice guy. And, okay. and even when my son met him just a couple years ago in L.A., my son went to meet him, and he said, meet him and he said, you don't have to tell me who you are. You're Dylan Hines, Mark Dallas said. Wow. He said, I want to tell you something. Your dad is one of the nicest guys in the wrestling business. Says he was so nice to me when he didn't have to be when he was on top. And I have oh, nothing but respect for the undertaker. Wow. And what, you're right, we do have some wins. With Vincent and Jim for it. but, but. I'm not saying it was a loss, of the superiors for some of the bushwhackers. Right. Because it extended their careers. Sure did. Even longer. Yes. And Luke today, at near 80 years old, is still getting into the ring. Yep. yep. And still doing his thing. It's crazy. More but yes. power to them.
0: Yep. What did you think of Ric Flair, by the way, wrestling recently at the age of 73? Did you see the match? And uh, what...
1: No, I thought it was horrible.
0: Yeah, me too. I just wanted to I get your take, though. I
1: thought it was bad. I knew I, for, for, when he walked out on stage and this belt, he had his belt around his waist. And when it slid down his belly and he tried to test it down on his shinny legs, Woo. it was downhill after that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Woo.
1: Yep. I, I knew what happened. He walked out. If he didn't the belt, see what he did was, I, I, I love Ric Flair. Do I think he is, uh, once you've seen his match, you've seen them all? Yes. Do I think that's troubling to a certain extent? But it became to be a routine that the fans expected. And why Ric Flair did that was he was wrestling so many guys, they didn't know how to wrestle. So he built matches around them, but he made a career out of it. But that was horrible. I think, I think that match hurt Rich Steamboat's match, to be honest with you guys. Really? The one he had this past weekend. Really? I think because the people seeing the Ric Flair thing was worried that, it, that the Ric Steamboat thing would be another Ric Flair mm-hmm. thing. It right. sure wasn't a feather in Ric's hat. By no means.
2: All right, so Bobby, I'm going to put you under the gun here. You ready? I want you to rank these tag teams. Whoa. In order, five being the least to one being the best. Five? Okay. I'm going to give you five. The Rockers. All right. The Rockers. Rockers. Okay. The Rock and Roll Express, the High Flyers, the Fantastics, and the fabulous
1: ones. Right, right, right. Rank them. Who? I, I'm getting ready to tell you guys this, and you may not understand it or not, but Jim Pornette will tell you and so many others, Not against Richard or Robert, but when it came to in the ring, in the ring wrestling, we were really one of the top teams. Of our era. In ring wrestling, I'm talking about in ring having great matches consistently with different opponents. And I'm talking about not just w- with one set. We had great matches with Victory and Tatum, great matches with uh, the Lone Riders, great programs with the Midnight and all that. Uh, one through five. Do, do I want to give it my opinion or the fans' opinion? Your opinion. Your opinion. My opinion. Which, which set of rockers? The AWA or the later the WWF? <laughs> I'll give you WF. the AWA yeah,
0: rockers. Good question, too. AWA. I, I,
1: the, which one's the AWA? Yeah. 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 Huh. Well, that makes a difference to me. It sure does. <laughs> it does. I will tell you this Shawn Michaels seen me and my son not long, uh, not long ago. And he said what the Undertaker said. He said, Your dad was so nice to me and he saved the city when he didn't have to be, but that's just what I want to do. Dad, you really put me on the spot, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you really Welcome to Monty the and spot, the
0: Pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Give it to us, Bobby. Give right. it to us.
1: I, I, I'm going to play the devil's advocate, okay? Okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> Pitchfork in hand. He
1: gave me the high flyers would be number five.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Only because, and nothing just Ray Gagne, only because they wrestled in that territory and didn't do much outside of it. Okay. okay? Yeah, Fair sure. enough? Fair yeah, enough. sure.
0: And Greg Ganya had tennis legs. Don't forget that.
1: Yes, but but, but listen, it was a yes. different time and era when they were out there. Sure. And, you know, suplexes was finishes, you know. Absolutely. Uh, then I'll go with so the high flyers, right? Yep. Are, are we talking about – now let me ask you this. Are we talking about in-ring ability, drawing ability as a team, the whole package? Entire package. Yeah, let's
0: go with the entire package. Entire package. package. That's yeah, what I was getting that.
1: ready to say because, because that makes a difference. And we're talking about regional against national.
0: How about just overall impact? the Fabulous impact? Ones
1: was one of the hottest tag teams in the business in the Memphis area. I mean, it was like the Beatles. And then the Rock and Roll came after them. And then, so, okay, so I've got one. You gave me five, right? Yeah, yes, I've got, sir. Four I got go. one, number four is Ray Donyon and Jim Brunzel, the High okay. Flyers. Okay. Number f- that's number five. Number right. four would be the AWA, would be the AWA uh, Rogers. Okay, okay. Number three would be the fabulous ones because they were more of a regional, mm-hmm. although they made a great tremendous impact on them. Yep. That would be number three. Okay. Number two, would be the fantastic.
0: Nice.
1: Number nice. one would be the Rough Rose Press. If you're talking about the impact, drawing, in ring, everything still ruined the Rough Rose Press. Well, okay, Well,
2: hard to argue. Fair enough. Hard to argue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bobby, we don't want to keep you any longer. We wanna thank you for getting us off thank on you. our new channel. Thank you. It was it was fantastic. And I, I just want to take a moment and say, um, you know, we first made contact off a previous show that you were unhappy with, which I, yeah. I understand. But you called me like a man and told me, hey, look, I, I don't appreciate it. And, uh, you know, take down the video, which we did. Absolutely. And, um thank you. Abs- absolutely. Well, again, thank you for calling me up like a man and explaining to me. And uh, I just wanna tell you, it's an honor to have you on our show and we can't thank you enough for doing this. And uh, say hello to your son
1: and just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Can I say something real fast? Sure can. I'm gonna apologize if there's any been any problems on my end as far as this interview because I am working on a cell phone. These guys have jumped leaps and bounds to help me so that I should be on here. And I'm not a professional cameraman, by no means. I want to say hello to all the wrestling fans out there. You all mean so much to me because I am one of you. Money and Farrell, I hope the best for the future of wrestling. I like the directions that the WWE is going in. I like the idea that the NWA, listen, it's like an old time match. You can take a legion, but it's going cheap keep right on decision I spent some big things in 2023 with the National Wrestling Alliance. Billy Jordan's a big fan, and he really wants to establish wrestling. I think one thing that's missing, gentlemen, is the emotional attachment to the wrestlers from the fans. And I think once that is established again, then it will go places. What do you think on that?
2: Well, I'll give you my opinion. I think in order for wrestling to get better in 2023, one of the organizations need to sign Monty Nefaro to do their announcing and their play-by-play. Yes, sir. Don't That'd you nice. think we should be on NWA and doing the
1: play-by-play? What do you think? I like that. I like that idea. And you know what? Let's throw my name in the hat. Why not? I, I, I want to I wanna be a big part of it, too, guys. Listen, there you go. the sky's is the limit on this business. And also, I want a mission about My son, I don't know if you know this or not, but my son Dylan has dabbled in wrestling and does a lot of promoting, but my younger son Jaron is now starting his career. He's gonna have his first match December the 10th, and I believe he's gonna face a franchise Shane Douglas. We're gonna bill him as the fantastic one, Jaron Fulton. Guys, he's six foot two. He looks just like I did in my young 20s, and he's gonna be phenomenal. His uncle, Jackie George Hines, has taught him to do drop kicks. He's had some awesome training at a training camp in North Carolina, in which soon I'm gonna be opening one up in Ohio. But guys, I still have the passion. I've got my sons involved in the wrestling business, Monty and Pharaoh, let's work on seeing what you can do to help these organizations prosper in the future god bless you guys thank you for being men of men i've enjoyed watching your show in the past so many fond memories but fellas i'm going to tell you like i'm telling the rest of the world concerning my son jerem fulton starting the best is yet to come for all of us god bless you all Thank you all for letting me be a part of the prestige, the honor, and the glory of Monty and the Pharaoh Show. Thank you, guys. God Thank bless. You, Thank sir, you, sir, and so have much, a man. wonderful
2: night and a blessed weekend. We love you, Bobby Thank Fulton. You. Thank you. God bless. God bless, you. Bye-bye. Bobby.
0: Wow. Bobby Fulton, my friend. To get the Pharaoh speechless is an accomplishment. I'm just... Wow. What just, stories? Wow. What yeah, stories? I know. Just, we could
2: have went on Just go, and long you can time. see how much he's... I said to Jared, helping. we're going to go a little long on this. Uh, right. Bobby Fulton, thank you again for thank getting you. us kicked off on our new channel. Yeah. Uh, kicked off, I Not meant... Not kicked you. off on, kick, on our new channel. Kick kick us off on our new channel. <laughs> and I want to thank everybody Already? for joining <laughs> us tonight. One thing that was Miss Farrow did say, so in the beginning, um, there were... You know, as much as the love that was given out there from so many people like sure. the Maria Davis JB2 ESO sure. and sure. the Lisco RJ, Lisco's on Stingers.
0: Chris Lee from Australia. Right. Uh,
2: Glenn, by the way, first time listener, Glenn let's show. thank you. I hope you come back. Um, thank you. I hope you become a fan. Please, by all
0: means. Anyway, for as you. much love, love have
2: as, have as we've got, we've got a lot of hate too. Hey. Uh, we received hey. a lot of messages saying... We're glad you're gone. Die, which, Farrow. Right, you know, die, Stuff Farrow, like that, die, right? Farrow. Uh, yeah. But one was a, a very small podcast that we put the clip on. Don't where insult they,
0: podcasts. Well, <laughs> we just get started with that right, right off the which, bat. Which we just thought. Just because which, you and three of your friends watch it four times each doesn't mean that it's got 16 but, true views. I, so Let's I'm, get serious I met with here. YouTube
2: yesterday, and yes. we were talking, yeah. and just talking about life, yeah. right? And one of the things I said is, <laughs> Farrow and myself... <laughs> Uh, along with Jared, who is a fantastic producer. Righty. We spend a lot of time kind of scripting out the show. Sure, absolutely. And we're looking at analytics and paying attention to what people say. Yep. And yep. one of my points, uh, I'll say again, was if someone hates us, it's fine. Sure. Because we're here to entertain. Yeah. And we love doing it. Yep. And yep. my point, the, I guess the point is the hatred I said to myself I said to Pharaoh I had to put that video up because that guy was so angry
0: Drowning, he, could, he was drowning in jealousy too We, we well just we just
2: drowning op- in it We officially did hard job because yeah, we, we did. got emotion out of we someone did.
0: Whether it be bad, oh, fine. Oh, and watch this celebration for how he made you react. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was awesome. So, it is hilarious, but you know what? The next time the assistant manager from Bagel Boss gets mad because three <laughs> pounds of locks did not show up in the back bay, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to tell the poor I guy. He very upset, I
1: don't know what to say. He very I, upset. I don't know what to but say. But you know
0: what, though? He's got smart friends because they kept their mouths shut. So they were smart. They were very smart. They because were smart. They don't want to be the next ones to have their complete, you know, lives turned upside down in humiliation. We'll, we'll have a couple of skits going on. I'm, uh, I've been thinking. It's, ga- it's dangerous when you do that. We've got but, some you know. people
2: in, in the line of fire. Yeah. But anyway, guys, yeah. um, what's an E.T. Atari? Did you ever play it? I that? never played E.T. Atari.
0: Well, it's pretty obvious a certain nerd did. Hey, listen, <laughs> dude, you know what? And he buried them in the desert. What a terrible thing to do to your collection. That's awful.
2: You know what? I give, I give props. They go on every week, supposedly. I don't watch. but You and the rest the of the world. The only reason I... I don't even know how I got... I think a fan sent me the video. Say, said, hey, Monty, look at this one. A fan of ours yeah.
0: who yeah. accidentally found Again, out. I
2: hate using the word fan. I, uh, the family fan. member sent me a video. Yeah, so yeah, we'll anyway, long story short. Concerned. What up? Again, <laughs> I'm glad we got the emotion out of you, bro. Um, yeah. Phil says, as now? Bob Dylan <laughs> says, guys, keep on keeping on. I got to tell Absolutely, you, I had a bit yeah. of a meltdown two weeks ago. Yeah, I was,
0: yeah, was highly upset.
2: Yeah, I know yeah. we said we were done. Yeah, but yeah. all you guys kind of got us out of the And Farrow, who is, you know, again, in my opinion, one of the best uh, anchors, period, in any kind of oh, show. Well, and, thank you. He, he just knows his stuff, and he's a joy to be with. And um, wow. anyway, I want to thank you guys. Bobby Fulton, you again. Too. Thank you, sir. Bobby Fulton, man. Incredible. Wow. Incredible. And again, I that. had very limited touches what a, what on a
0: Fantastics. Guy. Yeah, I do remember I remember I them in Georgia Championship Wait, Wrestling for know, a little while. Like Bobby Pope, you know, pointed out, the, the wrestling magazine days, we didn't always get to see everybody all the time the way we wanted to, but we lived vicariously through those pages. And they left an impression, period that team they'd left an impression and,
2: and in case someone didn't know what i a was a big ta- one <laughs> um in case anyone didn't remember what i started, or didn't know what i was talking about what had happened is we had a uh, a former ecw female wrestler on and she was she made some very strong accusations right. against a lot of different people i'm not gonna sure. repeat names no and um i believe bobby was one of them right um yeah. actually to be fair to bobby yeah it was a very passing comment like I didn't even pick up on it right because his name was said but you'd mm-hmm. have to like you not that I wasn't paying attention mm-hmm. but it kind of got by me a okay, little bit fair right enough. yeah so um, a lot of things were said and uh, Bobby called me up on a phone mm-hmm and he said hey you know this isn't true right right um, matter of fact I think I was present yeah you were yeah. you were I thought he was very classy even then. He goes, this isn't true. Okay. Okay. You don't have to believe me. Right. Um, Right. But out of respect for my family (sighs) and for my standing.
0: Yeah. Can you please take the video down? He was very real and very upfront about and the situation. You know, again, very when anyone too.
2: asks us anything, sure, we do it. Yeah, I mean, Greg Valentine Except called. Jump off
0: the Brooklyn well, Bridge. Well, Greg, Greg not Valentine that. called
2: us, whether people yeah. remember this or not. Yes, Greg Valentine called us. He said, yeah. "Monty, A
0: little trouble Pharaoh, in the kitchen.
2: Can you please take down the video <laughs> about Medusa? It's causing problems at yeah, home." Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We took it down. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely, like, whatever. man. We're not looking to get anybody in any, like, you know, get them in an ill light or, we, or get we them don't lay judgment on any, a We don't lay
2: judgment on anything, right? We no. let our let guests the people talk speak for themselves, and speak for themselves, please. which has got the last channel turned off. Right, right? But which we're is not insane. Go, but we're not but going you know. to stop doing that. No, we're not any, changing. We will we'll not change. We're not changing. People have a right to right. speak.
0: Oh, and by the way, the new channel's residue has smoked that so-called show out in California that's slowly sinking into Singer the ocean, class act, along with Thank the you,
2: sir. Chris Lee, Mike and Jimmy, you. you're awesome. No, you, you guys Thanks. are Chris, awesome. Chris, you're awesome. But you I'm not
0: calling you uh Keith Lee, you're awesome. You guys <laughs> oh, are yeah. awesome.
2: Anyway, again, Bobby Fulton, thank you. Um and Unbelievable. We wish you the best in the NWA for Unbelievable. sure. Unbelievable. Yeah,
0: maybe we'll get in over there. Why not? Billy Corgan's a smashing pumpkin dude, he rocks. You know, we could you know you can hit it off. Why not? Anyway,
2: We'll see you guys next week. Don't forget this week in wrestling um, on.
0: That's tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's, the, that, that's tomorrow. Uh,
2: some future guests that will be coming in. Uh, we ooh. will be bringing in ooh, ooh. former Monty Nefaro Get out of here. Co-host. No way. Uh, John Sawyer. John Ambrose. John Ambrose. Yeah, John. John Sawyer. Well, John Sawyer. Yeah, John Sawyer. Um, we Boom will docks. be bringing in former ECW legend Tommy Cairo. Wow. Okay, cool. Uh Very Tommy cool. Cairo oh, wait a guys. Minute. He's all
0: good now, right? I mean, or are we gonna like find out when we talk to him? Didn't he have some serious shit happening? He's
2: got a story to tell. Wow. Okay. Uh Jason says thank you for promoting uh free speech M and P. No, thank you.
0: We try, man. We try. They have to let us though. They have gotta let us. Little Patty know? says, love the show. And real quick, and, Mike, if I can, real fast. Yeah. John Sawyer, you bro, you well said, man. Thank you for Saying what you said during a very difficult time. You showed a lot of class, brother. I appreciate it.
2: January 13th, Enzo Amore will get be. Get the studio.
0: hell out of here, really? Yep. How are we going to keep me and Enzo in the same studio with our mouths? Are you J.A. Ron
2: Fuller would be a great guest. Someone just Ron asked me. Fuller. And I
0: think we're going oh. to get
2: oh. Cowboy. Oh, my God. Cowboy. Cowboy
0: shit? Oh, Scott Casey. Sorry. Scott Cal- wait, wait a second. Scott Casey from the convention a couple of years back? Absolutely. That casual conversation? Absolutely. That ha- oh, okay. That works.
2: That's very good. Very good. Anyway, we want to thank you guys. Thank you for joining Long Island's number one pro-wrestle broadcast. Stinger. A stinger, Spidey, thank you for staying on with us late. We Thanks, appreciate Spidey. it. Thank you. Um, Jay Will, if I could get Cowboy Bill Watson here, uh, I would love it. Oh my god, but I will tell you, one of the most offensive things that was ever said oh, to here me we in my entire life <laughs> was when I was talking you know to X Pac like? one day. He goes, You know, you look like a girl, go, he goes, Cowboy Bill Watson. I'm like,
0: Fuck you, asshole. X Pac, wait a wait minute. X Pac said, Yeah, sentence? he goes, You look oh like, oh my Cowboy god, I kid. was standing, you were right, standing right, there. right there. That's right. Yeah, but look on the bright side, he's got a little wiener. No, he does. That thing's big. Wait a second. Are we sure we saw the same? We're not comparing it to yours. All right, this has been Mike Monty. That's true. This has been the Largely Endowed Chris Lee, powers are paid. (laughs) And until next week, thank you for all being here, folks. Later. Oh, this hand. Later.